no stealing. Guilty parties will be lifted. She almost laughs. It reads so absurd. How can a person be lifted? (laughs) This is Right Here, Right Now, a podcast brought to you by Vocal, an online platform for creators of all kinds and levels of experience. It's a place to post, to read, to be inspired. I'm your host, Erica Wagner. This season, we'll be diving into a sequence of fictional worlds. Each of the stories you'll hear is a winner of the Vocal Plus Fiction Awards, all to be published next year in partnership with Unbound, the crowdfunded publisher. Out of more than 13,000 submissions, these terrific 25 were chosen. We know you'll love them as much as we do. Now, sit back and listen in. Maybe one of these stories will inspire one of your own. This time, we'll hear Lifted by Patty Larson. Have you ever wandered into a dusty curio shop and gotten the willies? Or jumped when someone unexpectedly rounded a corner? This story's for you. Larson brings to life the eerie uncanniness of such places in this piece. Lifted. Jenny twirls a long brown curl between her fingers as she gazes through the dusty glass. The sign over the door reads, curious, and makes her skin itch. In a good way. Chances are the place behind the dirty windows with the thick curtains holding back the light and the half-peeled name sticker above eye level is the perfect place to alleviate her crushing boredom. I'm in here, sweetie! Jenny turns to half-heartedly wave at her mother. The rundown indoor mall has seen better days, but Mrs. Arthur insists they try it out. Great deals, she said and grinned at Jenny in the car on the way here. Heard Penny Walsh got a knockoff Prada purse for 20 bucks. It was either shop with her mother or hang out in her room and pretend to study for midterms. Jenny would rather be in Aspen with her friends, but her parents refused to foot the bill for the trip. So she's stuck here, staring through dust and grime, trying to decide if opening a door is worth the effort. It's the first place she's found that could offer some sport. If only Connor was here. He'd be her wingman, just like always. But her boyfriend is gone. Family trip, she guesses. Like everyone else, though he didn't bother to tell her he was going. Jerk. Jenny slips her pink plaid phone from her pocket and texts Amber, knowing already from three unanswered messages Connor is ignoring her. He better not have dumped her. Not this close to prom. Heard of Curious? Her fingers tap against the side of the phone as she bites her lower lip and waits. Ew. Amber's reply makes Jenny grin. What are you doing there? Mom. It's the only response required. Get me something. It's their code. Jenny slides the phone back in her jeans pocket and rounds her shoulders forward, taking a breath. Amber always says shoplifting is a mental game. Good lifters look ordinary, relaxed, almost bored. Even a hint of anxiety and you're toast. Connor's ace is at it. 
Again, she wishes he was here and not being an asshole. Jenny takes one look over her shoulder, spots her mother squealing in overenthusiastic excitement, a giant pink bag in her hands, and makes up her mind. Air displaces as she pulls open the door, a waft of fresh passing her, replaced swiftly by exiting stale, carrying a heavy scent of secondhand store stink and mold. Jenny hesitates. Knows she has to commit or leave as the bell over her head lets out an irritating jangle. A shiver from her phone, and she's moving inside, letting the door sigh shut behind her. It's dark in here, crowded. The heavy curtains are black velvet, dusty and oppressive. Jenny looks right and left at the window ledges, filled with what look like antique toys. A little wooden doll in desperate need of a paint job stares at her as though afraid. Eyes the only part of her that seem real. Too real. Jenny shivers, hand reaching for her phone. What's it like? Amber. Her fingers fly over the keys as she nervously looks around. So much for calm. Creepsville. Something for Brit, too. Jenny inhales. Two things? She's only ever lifted one at a time before and never alone. It feels weird not to have Connor or one of the girls at her side watching her back, but she can't say no. This is Amber she's texting. If Jenny ever wants a chance to go to Aspen or to have a social life, she has to do as she's told. Makes her wonder if maybe Amber is the reason Connor isn't answering. Soft panic clutches, pulls at the air in her lungs. Has she done something to offend without knowing it? Amber hasn't shown any indication, but... She's been gone since Thursday, and so has Connor. She could ask, but that would look weak. Better to do what she's told and just hope it's enough. Done. Once more, the phone disappears. Jenny's sneakers make no sound on the old stained floor, peeling edges of industrial tiles stopping her toe, making her trip. She catches herself in time, hands grasping the edges of a rack, jarring the contents into a musical rattle. A tiny giggle of anxiety escapes her as a round-bottomed boy clutching an anchor on a shelf at her eye level bobs front to back, front to back. Jenny steps away, coughs softly at the dust she's disturbed, the faint light of a handful of active fluorescent bulbs already giving her a headache. The smell of old and decrepit is everywhere, engulfing her. She's half-tempted to leave, no matter Amber's request and Connor's absence, surely she can find something at the corner market for the two demanding girls. Something moves. A subtle sound freezing Jenny in place. She eases sideways, peering down the aisle between a glass case and a long rack towards the back of the store. An old-fashioned cash register sits at the edge of the back counter, light reflecting from the case front, blocking her view of what hides inside. The place is aptly named Curious. She eases further down the aisle, eyes wandering around the shelves stacked with painted wooden plates and cases lined with old chessboards, ancient-looking knives and guns, a, and a dented collection of trumpets. Resting on the top of the counter on her left is a little violin, a tiny replica complete with strings and a bow sitting inside a perfectly crafted case. Jenny's nerves leave her the moment she sees it. Perfect. Amber is obsessed with her violin right now. 
She'll love this. And it's the ideal size for an easy lift. Jenny's tense shoulders relax and she forces a vapid expression as she saunters to the counter and leans against it. Looks around like Amber taught her, yawns, checks her phone with her right hand, while her left hand drifts up and sideways, fingers tinting over the tiny violin. She screams as something sharp jabs her in the ribcage. The little instrument in its case flies from the countertop and lands on the floor, skittering under one of the racks. Jenny turns, hardened her throat, free hand clenched to her chest to find a tiny man standing behind her. She almost screams again. He might be small and thin, barely taller than her shoulder, but there is a look of pure evil in his icy gray eyes and the set of his thin lips, the paleness of his ashen skin. Folds of wrinkles hang everywhere, save for the shiny, bold center of his head, only a wisp ring of white hair clinging to his white scalp. His hand is still raised, one fingernail extended. It's sharply filed to a point longer than her mother's for shit's sake. Did he really just assault her with it? Children, he says in a soft, harsh voice. All the same. Before Jenny can lie in protest, his arm jerks upward, finger now pointing elsewhere. Her eyes follow without her permission to a sign hanging from the end of the shelf in front of her. No stealing. Guilty parties will be lifted. She almost laughs. It reads so absurd. How can a person be lifted? <laughs> he glares at her. Understood. Jenny nods, shrugs. His arm drops, eyes narrowing. She's certain he's going to speak again, but instead grunts at her and stomps past. His feet make loud clomping sounds on the floor, though he's truly tiny, narrow shoulders hunched inside a yellowed shirt, suspenders holding up his baggy pinstripe pants over a non-existent ass. It's tempting to taunt him, and were the girls with her, Jenny has no doubt Amber and the others would make it a point to make his life miserable. When they get back from Aspen, they'll have to come back with Connor if he's still hers by then. Jenny's hand explores her ribs. Temper flaring now, he's moved on, focusing her frustration on the old man. She watches him shuffle his way behind the counter, hoisting himself up with another grunt onto a stool. He unfolds a newspaper and promptly ignores her. Asshole. She shifts to the right, eyes settling on the little violin. He didn't even pick it up. Anger makes her daring, sneakers squeaking slightly as she crouches and fishes the small instrument and its case out from under the rack. It's undamaged, at least. But now she can't take it. Instead, she makes a big show of putting it back inside the tiny case and dusting her hands off. So there, Mr. Jerkwad. See how you like that? He doesn't seem to notice. Jenny turns, determined to leave. Forget this place for now. Amber will know how to deal with this guy. Maybe a brick through his front window in the middle of the night. A couple of the other guys Amber hangs with have been known to be open to such ideas. But her phone buzzes at her just as she turns away. And like a compulsion drives her, she looks at the screen. Better be good, Jay. Your standing depends on it. Jenny shivers, heart skipping a beat. Amber's giving her an ultimatum? So this is about Connor. Has to be. Damn it, what did she do? Missed the trip. 
Amber's next text says with cold calculation, you're out unless, unless Jenny lifts something worthy. Coolest ever. Her nervous fingers type the words. You'll see. Amber doesn't respond, but Jenny's cold sweat doesn't go away. She glances towards the end of the counter at the rustling paper as the store owner turns the page, but continues to ignore her. She has no choice now, and he's not even looking. This will be super simple, child's play even. Her eyes go to the sign, guilty parties will be lifted. Whatever. The violin in its case finds its way into her pocket of her jacket. She's almost to the door when she remembers Brittany and Amber's second request. A quick snatch and she's the proud owner of a crystal swan with a rose in its beak. She could be brave and find something for Connor too, but she just wants out of there. She's expecting another poke in the back as she reaches for the door handle. The owner on the phone calling the police something, anything. But only silence greets her as she pauses and turns back. He's still there, behind his paper. The idiot. Thanks, she calls out, buoyed by her victory. The rush of satisfaction she gets from stealing rising at last. Screw him. Have a great day. Jenny laughs to herself under her breath, already planning the grand reveal in her mind as she hands over the little violin to Amber and is in her good graces again. The bell clangs its ugly song, her foot passing the threshold as a giant flash of white light flares in front of her and everything goes dark. Jenny opens her eyes, mouth dry, throat parched, but unable to swallow. She groans, but no sound emerges from her chest, only silence, muffled and still. She sniffs, again nothing happens, and she realizes she can't smell anything. One hand tries to rise, fails, frozen. Panic takes her, shakes her, but only on the inside where her soul lives. Her body is immobile, rigid, out of her control. For a long moment, Jenny sobs in the silence of her head, begging someone, anyone to help her. A dream. It must be. That's it. She must have passed out or something, and now she's dreaming. If only she can make herself wake up. Just just wake up. She squeezes her eyes shut, opens them. Nothing. No change. Still held by whatever force contains her, Jenny breaks down and weeps in the quiet spaces of her mind. It's a long time before she pulls herself together enough to try to understand. Her eyes are movable, at least. If the only part of her, that is. There's glass in front of her, a thin layer of dust over it. Is she outside the store looking in? She can see just a hint of something red under her feet, and to her shock, another person on her right periphery. She's not alone. Relief floods her, though she's not sure why having someone else there makes such a difference. A sound perks her, draws her full focus. She knows that chattering, unhappy sound, the bell at the front of the store. But it's distant, muffled, as though coming from afar. Jenny squints into the light as the door closes, and a figure approaches. Jenny sobs again, but this time in happiness. Mom! Her mother hurries forward towards her. But something is wrong. Horribly wrong. Why is she getting bigger? So big, Jenny can't see all of her suddenly, eyes only able to reach to the top of the ugly pink bag, the fold of her mother's coat pocket? I'm looking for my daughter. Her mother's voice sounds hollow. 
Where is she? Jenny strains, struggles, but is unable to break free of the prison her body has become, screaming for her mother, throwing everything she has at whatever keeps her still, and fails. I'm afraid there hasn't been anyone in here all morning. Jenny stills. His voice is kinder with her mother than it had been with her, but she is well aware who speaks. The damned shopkeeper. What has he done to her? I thought I saw her come in here. Mrs. Arthur sounds confused, hesitant. I'll certainly keep an eye out for her, the shopkeeper says. Do you have a number I can reach in case she shows up? No, that's all right. Her mother's tone shifts to anger. She's probably decided her friends are more fun than I am. No, mom, please. Jenny weeps at her mother's turn away. Please come back. Have a pleasant day, the shopkeeper says. You too. And Mrs. Arthur is gone. Jenny pants in her head, wriggles and wiggles and fights until she has nothing left. Her ears pop as something moves above her, the feeling of vast emptiness replacing the muffling claustrophobia. A shadow falls over her as she rises, lifted into the air, turns slowly around, toward his grinning face. Well now, the shopkeeper says, eyes giant, nose almost poking her as he examines her. A violin, is it? Did you used to play? Jenny catches her reflection in his glasses, horror choking her. She's dressed in a frothy black gown of violin in one hand, bow in the other. She looks plastic, like a figurine of some kind but the crystal swan arose in its beak at her feet. No matter, he says, turning her around, fingers setting her back inside the case. Can't say I didn't warn you, girl. Now she understands. He's left her on an angle, enough to see the lines of other figures, row upon row, watching her with their rigid plastic forms and terrified human eyes. You're a lovely addition to my collection. Shock makes her mind break. Because she's found Connor, not on a trip after all, not ignoring her texts, he's there next to her, where he will stand in perfection forever, a sparkling silver tiara in his hand held out toward her and an eternal offering of adoration. His eyes beg her to help him, but she's already falling into her own madness. Jenny's mind wails its horror on and on into despair and darkness as her perfect doll body cradles the violin, the silent crystal swan, waiting for her to play. That was Lifted by Patty Larson, a story that gets more frightening the longer you think about it. How long might the other knickknacks have been trapped? Next time, we'll keep on with another story on the spooky side of things. That's Paradolia by Connor Marco. To read an interview with this creator or any of the others from this season, head to vocal.media. There, you'll also find a wealth of other work to entice you. Perhaps you'll submit a story of your own. Whoever you are, whatever your story, Vocal belongs to you. 
If you like the show, come be a part of where it all got started. Join me and the rest of our creators on Vocal. We hope you'll join our community where you can post, read, and comment. Pre-order your copy of the anthology at vocal.media or at unbound.com. You might also want to check out Unbound's brilliant podcast, Backlisted. If you haven't had the chance, take a listen to season one of Right Here, Right Now. We hear eight essays from eight authors, then get the chance to hear interviews with the authors themselves. And of course, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Right Here, Right Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Erica Wagner. Thanks for listening. Right Here, Right Now is produced by Vocal in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team, Jacob Fromer, Andrew Hurwitz, and Maya bernstein Shallot, and the team at Pod People. Rachel King, Matt Sav, Amy Machado, Ashton Carter, Rebecca Chasson, and Carter Wogan. <laughs> <laughs>